What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Lockdown Panthers podcast. Bill Rossetti of Panthers Wire hitting you guys back up as we are rolling along our draft divisional previews. This time around, we are talking the AFC South. And joining me is a good friend of mine. Met him down at the Senior Bowl. Writes for the Draft Wire. And does a little bit of work over the Texans Wire as well. So good good man to call on here for these four teams. Cole Thompson joining the show today. Cole, what's going on, man? How you doing? Hey, Bill. Doing pretty well. Just uh, getting off work, having a nice old day. Getting ready to go watch another basketball team, Houston Sports, right now. Are a little crazy. It's in a good way. But, you know, getting to go watch a... See the Rockets play tonight, so that's going to be pretty exciting. But always a good time to talk draft, especially with it being in the single-digit days almost. Uh, you know, we're right down the stretch. We're almost a week away, eight days until we know who the first overall pick is. And unfortunately for the Houston Texans, they're not going to be picking in that top, you know, in that top five pick like everyone like everyone expected. But you know what? It's still a good time for football. But I'm doing well, man. Yeah, definitely a good time down in uh, Houston sports. Obviously, the Astros baseball season just started. They're defending their title, and they you know, it's early, but they there's obviously some times that they've looked like they're ready to defend that title. And as the season progresses, they should kind of get their kind of get their motor in gear again, and should be a contender to repeat. And then, like you said, the Rockets, top seed in the NBA, uh, big win in Game One over the T Wolves. So it, it's looking like a exciting time for those two teams. And then, yeah, Texans getting ready for the draft. Oh yeah, definitely a good time, and a lot of people are. Kind of sleeping on the Texans right now. I understand why, but with the right couple moves, they're in a really good spot for the long-term future and maybe even a key free agent signing. Hello, Des Bryant. All those moves could happen to where we could see Houston actually really surprise some people next year. And I'm glad people are sleeping on them just a little bit. Yes, let's jump into it. And as always, you know, we run through the teams in order of where they're picking in the first round. But if a team doesn't pick in the first round, we start with them. So we're actually going to start with the Houston Texans. Um, Similar to the L.A. Rams, who we we talked about with the NFC West as well. No first-round pick, no second-round pick, um, but obviously a high pick in round three. So they're still in a pretty good position. They're kind of the front runners once we get later into day three. So what's kind of going to be the strategy without those – first two picks but a little bit of ammo later on in the draft what do you think the Texans strategy is going to be in this draft well I think they kind of showed it a little bit by going out and signing two very talented defensive backs with Aaron Colvin out of uh, Jacksonville one of the top slot quarterbacks in the league only 26 years old really progressed as a slot quarterback that was their major need last year as well as outside cornerback but they also went and got Tyron Matthew to take over that strong safety role, which is going to be a great piece for the future. So having both those guys really kind of address two needs. And many people thought they could address rounds one and two, especially with a guy like Mika Fitzpatrick on the board at pick number four. A lot of people thought that he would be a great fit down in Houston. So addressing that, now they have to go offensive line. After they recently released Derek Newton, who is coming off of a major horrific injury with tearing both his patellas and both his legs. That's almost a career-ending injury. He wasn't making the progress they wanted, so they did cut him. Now we're talking about possibly going after a right tackle for the future. Julian Davenport is, of course, a guy that they drafted last year to be potentially a left-right swing tackle position guy for the Texans long term. So he's at least going to be given a shot to start this year. But 
after that, I would say probably tackle still is a big role. And there's a lot of guys who could fit that mold. A lot of guys who were down in Mobile that they really liked. A guy like Tyrell Crosby out of Oregon makes a lot of sense. He spent multiple games at both positions throughout three years as a starting left tackle and right tackle for the Oregon Ducks. He's great in run blocking. A guy like Alex Kappa out of Humboldt State could be a later one of their picks in, uh, at the end of round three because they do have three picks in that round. So that's a team that I think it could be on the move for him. They really were impressed with his footwork down in Mobile. Uh, I think also you can look at uh, Chinumaka Okorafor out of uh, Western Michigan. He's a guy who could be another big fit. Martinez Rankins out of Mississippi State, although he's probably more so a day three guy. He has the size and build to be a franchise possible right tackle in the NFL. So I definitely think that tackle is going to be that first thing. But don't sleep on offensive guard either. Yes, the signing of Zach Fulton did do wonders for the team, but they still have a major hole on the other side with Jeff Allen unable to really produce really anything the last two seasons that he's been down in Houston. He's on his third year of his four-year contract. So this could be a move that they could end up looking forward to in the favor. And my favorite would be a guy like Braden Smith out of Auburn. Yeah, I, I do think the third round is maybe even still a little high for him. But when you look at his footwork and you look at his scheme, he can fit really in any in any run-heavy uh, run scheme. And especially with protecting a guy like Deshaun Watson, who you traded away pretty much three picks for to go get, you got to make sure that you protect him for the long-term future. That's the deal, no matter what. And Houston has to look at the interior line. So I think that he could be in play. Austin Corbett out of Nevada could be in play. But they're going to go offensive line no matter what with one, if not two, of their three picks in, in the first uh, in the third round. How about running back, too? You know, Lamar Miller had a productive season last year, but there's kind of been some some talk a little bit about him. And, you know, we saw the progress of Deontay Foreman a little bit. What, what's kind of the thought process there at, at the running back position overall? I think the biggest thing is you have to look for the long-term future. And the biggest thing is also looking at the short-term future. And what that means is how healthy is Deontay Foreman going to be coming back this year? People forget that he tore his Achilles mid-season. So there's not even a you know sure chance that he's going to be ready by the time training camp starts or even the regular season starts. So I think drafting a running back is a need. But is it as big as a need as people want to make it out to be? In my opinion, I wouldn't say so. I think that... You cannot, you can rely on Lamar Miller to take a majority of those carries, but you also have to look at the depth behind him, and there really isn't many. So I definitely think that they could address the position maybe on day three, round five, maybe with one of their two picks on round six. A guy like uh, Chase Edmonds out of Fordham would be an excellent fit, kind of one of those pass-happy guys, really complete the New England-type style of committee running backfield. A guy like Mark Walton, if he falls to Miami, would be an excellent pickup in round four. He's a great pass catcher and moves well between the trenches uh, for his size. Uh, I think John Kelly would be another fit from Tennessee who could make a lot of sense as that pass catching happy back. Um, but it really is based off of how healthy is Deontay Foreman going into the season. Uh, and that will really decide where they draft a running back because of Achilles or something that take a while to come back from. You may even miss most of the entire rest of your next season when you tear your Achilles. It's just one of those things that you really can never prepare for. So looking at that, that will really decide his progression and his progress moving forward. Hold us out a running back. And I do expect them to draft one or possibly even sign one. Maybe even a hometown guy like Adrian Peterson takes a one-year deal and retires with the team that he grew up, you know, uh, grew, growing up in Houston, kind of taking that hometown discount. I could see them doing it either way. But I do think that they will add at least one running back, whether free agency uh, draft or through the, uh, uh, through the undrafted free agent market. Are they still a big fan of Ryan Griffin, too, or could – uh, late round tight end be 
in the future as well. I definitely think a tight end is a major need for the future, especially with, you know, the losses you did for Dorowitz. With that in mind, I'm not sure they're ready ready to give up on Griffin. Griffin's more of an H-back set, which is what they're, which is the only thing they're really looking for. Plays a lot of the flex, can play uh, blocking from a two-point stance, really not a three-point stance. That's the only problem. So if you're looking for a replacement, though, in CJ Fedorowicz, you have to remember, Fedorowicz was a flex tight end. He never really had his hand on the ground. And while he was a great blocker, he was blocking from that slot tight end position, never really right up against the line. So I think a guy like maybe Dalton Schultz out of Stanford would really fit that build. I think also a guy possibly um, such as Mark Andrews, if you want to go early out of Oklahoma, if he's still there, can be, he brings a lot of traits about what Travis Kelsey does and having a young quarterback. Uh, that, you know, having a young quarterback and Deshaun Watson, having as many weapons as possible is great. Uh, but the one guy that I'm really excited to see and the one who I think could be the ultimate replacement for a guy like Fedorowicz is Jordan Akins out of UCF. When you watch this guy play, he was known for his outfield skills, tried making it in the majors as a baseball player and outfielder, wasn't able to make the cut, went back to college, got, you know, is now fighting for a spot in the draft, plays in an exact similar role to what C.J. Fedorowicz played coming out of college, uh, coming out uh, last year, going into the 2017 season before he was in, uh, racked up with injuries uh, uh, with all the concussions that he had. So I think a guy like Jordan Aikens makes a ton of sense. But if they're looking for a blocking tight end, Tyler Conklin out of Central Michigan would be another really good fit. He plays really well with the three-point stance, excellent in blocking, could really help out with the run support, and has decent hands. He won't be, you know, the top tight end target to, you know, look for as a pass catcher, but he can do work with his hands, especially on third down and short situations. So I think those are two guys that could be in the short leash of tight ends that you look for day three. It's definitely a position they will address, and I do think day three is the day they do it. Let's move to Indianapolis, who originally started with the number three pick, and of course made the pick, made the trade with the Jets, who moved up to number three, presumably for Baker Mayfield, as a lot of people seem to expect. But the Colts moved down to number six, pick up a pair of second-round picks this year and a second-round pick next year, and there's obviously a lot of holes all over the place, and there's even rumblings that they may be looking to trade down again when we actually get to. The first, when we get to next Thursday night, um, what, what's your sense of what the Colts could do? Could they trade down again, or would they rather stay at six and hope and look for a guy like Bradley Chubb or Quentin Nelson or whoever their top target may be? Well, the biggest thing is you got to look at who is they could be trading down with. I definitely think if you're, if you're trading down, you're trading with one of the two teams that has the two first-round picks, and that would be the New England Patriots and the Buffalo Bills. Now, with that in mind, you also have to look at what is their biggest need. And in my opinion, finding a true middle linebacker for their new 4-3 defense would be a great fit. Now, a team like maybe uh, Buffalo, they wanted to trade up to, to, to the sixth pick overall, and they gave up both the 22nd and 12th pick would make a ton of sense because Terrell, uh, Tremaine Edmonds or Roquan Smith could be on the board at pick 12. They go get their linebacker, and they can now use that extra pick on maybe getting a running back, such as Darius Geis, maybe even getting a um, – getting an offensive lineman like Connor Williams or Mike McGinkley to be that tackle to help protect Andrew Luck. So there's multiple ways you can do it, but it's really based off of who are they trading for it. And the biggest thing is trading from six, they have to get a nice deal for it. So both those first-round picks have to be involved, including probably another second-round pick next year for sure, if not a first-round pick in next year's draft from that team. Because you're looking at two teams that are, are moving up multiple spots uh, at least close to half, if not a full dozen spots up. And look at what Houston gave up last year to move up to 12 
uh, to get uh, Deshaun Watson from pick 25. So th- you have to look at the deals that are kind of going along with it. But if their main guy, who I truly believe is Bradley Chubb, is off the board already, I could definitely see them trading down. But if they're sitting at six, I don't think they're going to pass on a talent like Chubb to help fix their defensive line, find a leader for their defense at the middle. Or even if he is gone, Roquan Smith could be another guy they target. But I do think that it's really they have a small market of who they are not willing to trade back for. And if they are, I definitely see them trading back. But I definitely think it's with only two teams, and that would be New England or Buffalo. And they're sitting with the three picks in the second round. Um you know, whatever they decide to do in the first round as far as staying at six or trading back, who, who are some players in, in the second round that you think really could help piece this roster together? you got to remember that they just lost Vontae Davis for, you know, the, the former career cornerback uh, for them. So I definitely think cornerback's a player on need. Two guys who I really think that could make a lot of sense for uh, that defense out in Indianapolis is Isaiah Oliver out of Colorado, you know, the former decathlon athlete known for his long fluid body, uh, excellent motion, kind of plays a little high in his back pedal, but overall is a solid pickup, not an interception machine, but a pass breakup, you know, wizard, and is able to create multiple pressures for teams. He's one of the best press cornerbacks in this class, and Carlton Davis out of Auburn also makes a lot of sense. He is the best press cornerback in this class. He's able to jam guys at the line of scrimmage, able to shut down guys deep downfield. There's a reason why when I talk to my friends from Auburn, they tell me that Jared Stidham was afraid to throw to Carlton Davis' side in practice because if he knew he was going to pick it off. So both those guys make a ton of sense with one of those three picks you know, in round two. Another position is running back. Losing Frank Gore isn't really going to hurt because Frank Gore was closing out the chapter of his career. A lot of people thought he went there to win himself a Super Bowl with uh, with Andrew Luck and Andre Johnson, unfortunately, that did, that never panned out the way they really wanted to. So they went in, they're going to have to address the running back position. Marlon Mack is a great back, but I definitely think he's more of a third-down situational back. He's not that lead-back situation. And I do think that both running backs from Georgia, Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb, fit the offense that you run with Andrew Luck in the backfield. The biggest thing is finding protection for Luck, though, and I'm a little more positive on Sony Michelle. If you watch plays from last year's class – there was not. There was two pass plays, I believe, if not maybe three, where actually Chubb was on the field in a pass set. That's because of his pass protection is atrocious after his leg injury. Not his fault. You know, accidents happen, and that's just one of those leg injuries that is very hard to come back from. But you look at Sonny Michelle, he's an excellent pass protector. So I definitely think that's in play as well. And then offensive guard is the other one that I think is really the big need. And Austin Corbett, the former left tackle for Nevada, moving inside, kicking in the left guard, can make a ton of sense. He's excellent in pass blocking. His run blocking skills are above average. They're not great, but they aren't, you know, as terrible as most of the other as most of these other guards in this class. So I definitely think that there's room for, you know, for improvement there. But his pass section is great, and finding a way to keep Andrew Luck from getting sacked, even up the middle, is an excellent thing to look forward to. So I think all those guys are in play, but those are three positions I would really target for your offense on day two, uh, for your offensive defense on day two. But don't keep out safety either. They may want to move on from TJ Green, who's played a lot more of that slot cornerback, uh, kind of nickel cornerback role instead of that safety role that he's been playing. Clayton Gathers is on a contract year. So I think Ronnie Harrison out of Alabama could be another guy that they target uh, to pair up with Malik Hooker in the backfield as one of being, you know, the strong safety playing down the box, stop the run, and one playing your cover one high cornerback in free safety Malik Hooker. Uh, real, real quick, um, going back to Michelle versus Chubb quick, uh, obviously Chubb had the knee injury and 
you know, like you said, you like Michelle better because of pass protection. Do you think, too, because of the more mileage and maybe a little bit of wear and tear, will drop Chubb a little bit to the second, maybe the third round? I do, but I also think the knee injury is one of those things that is very hard to get over. You've mm-hmm. seen some of these players kind of come out of the draft, and we've seen teams kind of reach just a little bit on them. Maybe not like crazy high, but just a little bit. Nothing nothing out, outside the ordinary. But Jalen Smith is probably the best example of a guy of why you don't draft one of these players as high as you used to. Like, suffering that hairline fracture and the nerve damage that he did in the Fiesta Bowl two years ago is not his fault. And it's something that you know teams knew going in. But Taking a risk on a player that high who has that significant of an injury could be a major backfire, especially with the pick that you look at. And those second and third round picks are franchise picks still, especially when you look at some of the big names who have come out in the second and third round in recent years and how they've shined in the NFL. You can no longer use those picks as, you know, you know, longevity picks of hopefully they pan out, hopefully they don't. First round picks are more so one of those things that you really risk on than anything else where your second round picks are more your slam dunk picks nowadays. So if you're not 100% sold that Chubb is going to be 100% healthy when the season starts or even by the time his, you know, the end of his rookie year for the long term future, he is going to drop. Now, I have him still as one of my top 50 players on the board just because of what I saw from him at Georgia over the course of four years. But there is reason to doubt that he is fully healthy, and there's also reason to doubt that he's going to ever truly come back from this knee injury. And the biggest thing is, is he going to play scared? Because if you play scared, that's more likely for injury and less likely for production. No matter what, he's got to be able to show that he's able to be the same running back that he was before the injury. And if he can't, that will hurt his draft stock, and I do think he will fall to the middle of the third round. He will be a day two pickup no matter what, but I could see him fall to the middle of day two. And I, th- I think he could definitely be a possibility for the Panthers if he's there in round three. I so. definitely think so, too. Mm-hmm. You know, I definitely think that they're, they're on the short leash because you're not really sure what you're going to use with Christian McCaffrey as mm-hmm. that Swiss Army knife, uh, and you want to always have, I think, a secondary back to kind of back up even if you're not going to use him that same way. Absolutely. Tennessee sitting at 25, and they're only sitting with six picks right now in the draft, and they could use some edge help. Um, they just picked up the, the fifth-year option for Marcus Mariota, so they're certainly keeping that offense together. Derrick Henry looks like now he's going to be the guy after the release of DeMarco Murray. Some some talk that they could trade up potentially. You know, it's, uh, Marcus Davenport has been the name pegged there a little bit but will he be there at 25 um so what what's the titans plan you know especially in terms of you know could they go edge rusher could marcus davenport be a guy josh sweat you know what what's their plan of attack from everything i'm hearing from the people that i talked about in nashville it's josh sweat is the main guy on the course that they want if he is going to be at 25 now davenport does fit the bill i do think that he's a better stand-up outside blitzer than he is with with his hand in the dirt. At least that's what I saw down a mobile from him. When he was playing that Leo-type role, he was a lot quicker off the edge. He was able to be more productive, and he wasn't getting bullied by, you know, Division three tackles. So having that kind of helps him out. But don't be shocked if inside linebacker is actually still the pick. Will Compton is on a short-term deal, and you don't really know how much longer you have Wesley Woodyard, who's going to be 32 this year. So you may want to go ahead and address that position, too. Two guys I think feel like could be very much in play and fit the bill of the replacement of Avery Williamson, as well as playing a little bit of what Woodyard plays. Leighton Vanderesh out of Boise State is a very excellent cover linebacker who 
who's able to read and react very well off the tight end, able to play uh, a lot of zone coverage and be able to play in man physical. He's an excellent downhill tackler. He's a, he's a hundred tackle season type of guy. So, you know, you're going to have a lot of production of him. And Rashad Evans out of Alabama makes a ton of sense with his ability to play hard nosed football, kind of the old school linebacker thing that did that, you know, that, uh, Mike Vrabel would really love to have for his defense. It's a lot like Bernardrick McKinney with his ability to hit and his ability to play, but it's also his coverage skills are better than McKinney's, which is the reason why they went out and drafted Zach Cunningham last year. So having that along the side would be it as well. You know, it's really based off who falls in that in that draft. With only six picks, there's very limited limited of a window for you to trade up in a draft, but. I definitely think that they are going to go defense round one, and I definitely think that it's going to be one of those linebacker positions, whether on the edge or inside linebacker. But personally, if Leighton Van Der Esch is there, I have my middle linebacker for the long-term future. I'd go get him. There's enough of an edge guy. Maybe uh, Kimiko Ture in rounds two would make a ton of sense for uh, for Tennessee. But I don't think that you can say the same thing about the linebacker class overall in round two or, uh, you know, like in round four, as many people are trying to oversell them at least. I'm definitely a big fan of Torrey myself. I think whoever lands him is going to get one heck of a player. You know, he he was like the guy on the Rutgers defense. You could see he was just flying around, and he was really good down the mobile too. So he was very good. He played very well in a three-four defense, which is what Mike Vrabel is going to run out in the Music City this year. Um, real quick too on Van Der Esch. You know, the reports came out earlier this week. Um, about the concussions, and some teams reportedly took them off their draft board. Now, some are obviously questioning the source, but whatever the case may be, um, from what you're hearing, or j- just your thoughts, you know, you know, the health concerns on Van Der Esch, are they worrying you, or is he still, is he really not going to move far down for you because after this? Look, the biggest thing for me is I always had a round two grade on him. And my, and my big board, Thompson's top talent, is over 300 guys. And he sits right on the border fringe of that round one, round two player. So if he fell to round two because of this report, I wouldn't doubt it. But according to Ian Rappaport, he went back and he saw uh, four of the five, um, you know, he saw four of the five medical reports. And he reported that, you know, he's not perfect, but he obviously wasn't close to failing at all any of the medical reports from what he from what he was told you know there wasn't really any medical concerns so that's a really good sign for Van Der Esch's draft stock and there's a lot of teams that I think could go after a guy like him because he could fit the mold of playing in a 3-4 or a 4-3 uh, as the will cover linebacker role so having that plays a major part into it as well now having a guy like Rappaport who is a major credible source not Walter Football yeah, I'm going to call them out. I'm going to say it right now. Walter Football, you don't trust everything that comes out of those guys' mouths because of a lot of it is fabricated. Having them as the main source is a problem. So going out and hearing it from a guy like Rappaport, clear the air, I think it's not going to hurt his draft stock at all. I definitely think that he will be drafted at least somewhere on day one. Maybe he'll be drafted higher than I expected, but 25 should be his floor for sure. I definitely think he fits everything that you want in a, in a middle linebacker, especially in a 3-4, and I think Tessie's a great fit for him. And, and you talked about earlier with, with the edge rushers, and you brought up the term Leo. For some of the listeners that may not understand or may not may be new to the game or haven't really heard of the Leo, what exactly is the Leo position and their role on the defensive line? 
Well, it's a hybrid defensive role when you really think about it. Uh, it's supposed to be kind of the mix of a linebacker and uh, more so a jackbacker, I guess is the best way to put it. He plays from a standing three. Uh, he plays from a standing two point stance. Uh, he comes in and you use him in multiple in multiple situations. He's not really used as a cover guy. You use him from a standpoint or with his hand in the dirt as an edge rusher, as a pass rusher. The main thing for him is he's going to attack the t- uh, going to attack the backfield. And he's going to uh, he's going to be effective in the run support. He's not really that linebacker that you're going to use to cover a slot receiver or a tight end. But if he somehow is able to make a play, that's really it. Think of a guy like this time. That'd be a guy. Sorry about that. Are you good? No, go ahead. Um, sorry. Think of a guy like Jadavian Clowney or. Maybe even a guy like Bruce Irvin would be it. You know, they're, they're, they're meant to play usually in that 4-3 defense, um, but he's really used more so uh, as an edge rusher and only as an edge rusher kind of role. And the next team we're going to – and the last team we'll talk about was one of the teams that kind of made the uh, Leo position famous, that being the Jacksonville Jaguars. They said the 29. Um Offensive line could be a position of help for them. You know, they've got they, – they want to get the run game going with Leonard Fournette. So what are the Jaguars looking at? Because we know how close they were to winning the Super Bowl. What can they do to get possibly get back to the AFC Championship and maybe make a run at the Super Bowl? think we might have I don't know if we lost him or if he's on mute right now you got me yeah I got you you got me all right, sorry. <laughs> sorry, um, sorry all right so so offensive line I think is definitely a major role that you have to address but it's more so the interior offensive line mm-hmm. Jeremy Parnell I think is going to be given a little bit more of a leniency and Cam Robinson's really impressed playing that left tackle position when many people thought he was going to only be able to play on that right side. It's more so that interior guard position. Andrew Norrell was a great signing, great pickup for the long-term future, but I'm not sure A.J. Khan is a part of that deal moving forward, as many people thought he would be uh, heading into the 2017 season. He was part of the main reason why they weren't able to have as much run success uh, on that right side of the offensive line because of his uh, his poor uh, uh, run-blocking sets. So interior line is a big thing, and I could definitely see them possibly moving up in the draft as one of those few teams that actually takes a chance at going after a guy. And a guy like Isaiah Wynn out of Georgia, former left tackle, who can probably, who has great you know pass protection sets and is learning how to become better as a run defender, could be an excellent fit down in Jacksonville and Duval County. Uh, I definitely think also if they want to wait till day two, Austin Corbett out of Nevada is another guy. Uh, and maybe you even want to go after a guy like maybe Connor Williams round one if you wait till the pick 29 and move him into guard as, you know, as a, as a potential right guard swing right tackle position as well. So all those guys make a ton of sense. But I do think that if they're looking for the very first move on day one, if they're not going to trade out of round one to pick up more picks on day two, I think that round one, they have to go guard, and there's slim pickings, although, yeah, but they might be slim pickings, but Isaiah Wynn is a good pick, 
Uh, Will Hernandez, I think, maybe doesn't fit the exact mold they're looking for in a right guard, but I would definitely want him on my team personally because of his, you know, his physicality. And I definitely think that Connor Williams is a pick that you could look at day one if you're looking for possibly a replacement for Parnell, but also a day one starter. Jaguars are also a team that really seems to build along the defensive line. That's kind of been one of their strong points as well, similar, you know, to the Eagles and now the Vikings and Rams. Could they improve the defensive line? Are there any, you know, maybe a surprise pick in round one or any players on the D line that could fit their bill? You know, not round one, I can't see it really, because if I think they have too many other issues in the secondary and free safety, I think that they also need to address, you know, the replacement for Alan, uh, Alan Robinson, Alan Hearns, uh, and I definitely think that they also have to pot- uh, potentially look at finding another linebacker to replace retired Paul Pudge Lustig. So there's really not a need for a round one. But if you're going to go with the guy round two, let's go Nathan Shepard out of Fort Hayes State. This was a guy who really My was boy. turning heads down in se- down the senior bowl. You know, his physicality is great. He can play a three technique. He's excellent as a one-gap blitzer. Uh, he does. He has great footwork. His technique is pretty smooth. He can shuck players pretty fast out of the way. He's able to, you know, get off blocks really quickly. I really like this kid. He graded out, I think, right at the bottom of my top 100 overall players. But I don't think he has a lot of skill sets and can be an excellent three technique uh, for Doug Marone's 4-3 defense. And if you're looking for a guy to learn from a guy from, you know, from a talented defensive line with guys like Malik Jackson, as well as um, as well as uh, 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 Marcel Darius and a few other big names. I definitely think that there is room for improvement on that line and more so finding just youth in general. And, uh, you know, and Shepard fits the bill straight on. I also don't don't sleep on guys. The two uh, boys from NC State, Justin Jones and BJ Hill. I think that they could be great day two options in round three. Yeah, and I'm big fans of all three of those, especially Shepard. When I saw him at the Senior Bowl, he, he basically became my man crush. The, the way he just got off the ball was ridiculously good, and I'm, I'm really excited to see where he lands. He's a great fit, and I definitely think that he will make a team happy in the NFL, whether it be Jacksonville, whether it be a team uh, like Atlanta round two, maybe even a team like Detroit. But I definitely think that day, that day two will be his floor. And I definitely think that he will see his stock hugely rise, and he will find a nice fit in the NFL. Could Van Der Esch be a fit in Jacksonville, too? Because you talked about they could use some linebackers. you think Van Der Esch, if he's there, is possible, or even Rashawn Evans? I see. That's the thing. I do think that they are, you know, definitely good fits. I don't think they're there. I think it's impossible to think they're there. I also think that maybe not Evans, but I do think – maybe Van Der Esch could be a better fit. You know, Van Der Esch is expected to be a will linebacker in a 4-3 defense, and you already have a pretty good will linebacker in Talvin mm-hmm. Smith, and you have a really good sandbacker in Miles Jack. So maybe they're not the best fits. Maybe you want a more so guy like T. Gray Scales out of Indiana round two, or maybe even you would look at a guy like Josie Jewell round three, kind of fits the Paul Puzlesny type of linebacking style of hard-hitting uh, playing that run support with a little bit of coverage skills and, you know, kind of, de- you know, sprinkled in on top. Those are guys that think have more better fits for them. But I also don't think either one would be available by the time Jacksonville's on the clock. If they wanted a guy like Evans or even a guy like Van Der Esch, they'd have to trade up because Pittsburgh is in dire need of finding a speedy linebacker in case of anything happens long term with a guy like uh, Ryan Shazier missing out. And you also got to look at Tessie, who fits a perfect bill for both these guys playing in a 3-4 defense. Cole Thompson, really appreciate your time joining here on LOP. 
Uh, let the listeners know where they can find you. Um, anything else you got going on that you want to spout out? Yeah, you can always follow me at the Draft Wire at the Draft Wire. You can always follow me at the Texans Wire at the Texans Wire. Follow my personal handle at Mr. Cole Thompson. You can always check out our website, uh, DraftWire and TexansWire.com. Uh, we always have great content coming out weekly, coming up to the draft. This is our kind of season where we kind of take command of the entire site, and we're going to be coming out with great content. Uh, draft diaries are coming out next week. We'll talk about some of the top players in this year's draft class. We also have our, you know, our annual mock draft, seven rounds for all three of us, me and myself, Luke Easterling and Justin Mello, as well as a few other guys. Peter Infante is another one to look out for. Uh, and we always have up-to-date analysis for trades, uh, teams, and team grades, which is what you're always going to want to know, how we think teams look going into the next season after the draft class. So that's at the Draft Wire, at the Texans Wire, at Mr. Cole Thompson, and thedraftwire.com and texanswire.com. Really appreciate it, man. Thanks so much. Again, that's Cole Thompson of DraftWire. Go check him out as we get ready. As Like we said, we are in the single digits toward the draft. And, of course, you can follow me on Twitter, at Bill underscore Rossetti. That's R-I-C-C-E-T-T-E. You can find the podcast, of course, on iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify and wherever you could find all your podcasts. Really appreciate you guys listening, as always. And until next time, this is Bill Rossetti. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it is your team every day. But for this particular day, I am out, and we will see you next time right here on LOP.